Hello, my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equity, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And before we get started today, I just want to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM, who have given Diversity Podcast a new home at Impact AM, their pages dedicated to ESG, Impact Investment, DE and I, and so much more. And we really appreciate that they publish and promote both our episodes and our supporting blog series, so their readers can stay right on the top of the very latest diversity, equity and inclusion debate. So thank you. The City AM. In this episode, we will be focusing on the topic of anti-Semitism, and I'm delighted to be joined by two guests, Gideon Falter and Nicole Lampert. Gideon Falter has been leading campaign against anti-Semitism since its establishment in 2014, developing it into the foremost organisation in the UK dedicated to combating the oldest form of hatred in the world. As the Chief Executive, Gideon is recognised as a media commentator, he has provided testimony to Parliament and he oversees the organisation's bold legal actions and support for victims of anti-Semitic abuse in various settings, including the workplace, educational institutions, online platforms and public spaces. So Gideon, a very warm welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me and also thank you for devoting such attention to this topic. I have so many questions and I'm really, really curious to get into this subject in some depth. And I'm delighted to welcome our second guest to the show, Nicole Lampert. Nicole is a freelance national newspaper journalist. A former show business editor at the Daily Mail, she started writing about anti-Semitism back in 2018 when it became clear this particular form of racism had become a problem in the Labour Party and there were not many people writing about it in a form that most people could understand. So she's written about it in publications ranging from Glamour magazine to The Spectator. And it is no surprise that she is a regular commentator on the BBC and other broadcast networks. So Nicole, thank you for your time. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And as Gideon says, thank you very much for focusing on this particular subject. It's a pleasure. Well, listen, before we get into the discussion, I would love to come to each of you just to just take a moment to focus on what you're working on right now. And Nicole, can I come to you first of all? I'm normally juggling about four or five things at the same time. My work still merges between um, pure entertainment. So I'm writing about sounds and things like that. And then focusing on anti-Semitism and, and Judaism. So one of the things I'm researching at the moment is having spent a day with them is the Haredi community. If you picture a Jew in your head, they might be what you picture because they are the very ostensibly Jewish people. The men wear the hat, they have the, the payers, which are the kind of curly hair thing. They're a community that has faces all sorts of challenges. And as they are the most obviously Jewish, they face the most anti-Semitism in this country. Perhaps just to explain to your listeners, uh, in terms of a minority, we are probably one of Britain's smallest minorities. There's about 250,000 Jews in this country. And we range from the secular, which I am. So um, I don't keep kosher. I go to synagogue twice a year. Um, I'm probably atheist. Um, and, it, and you go to, and then they have the more orthodox people that go to synagogue more often. The men might wear a kippah, which is a head covering. The women might wear a shaitel, which is a wig when they're married. 
to the Haredi, who are also known as the ultra-Orthodox. So it's been really fascinating spending some time with them and learning about their world and, and how um, our world of computers and telephones and all of that impacts on them. A second one that I'm working on is a book about the Holocaust, and it's about a woman's family. They basically became kind of hidden Jews post-Holocaust. So her grandparents and her mother were all um, Holocaust victims, and they moved to Australia. And over time, she realised that there were lots of secrets that she didn't know. And this is very common, particularly in people that have had the trauma of the Holocaust, that they, they hide their Judaism, they hide secrets, they don't talk about it. And I'm sure it's something we'll get into later, but it's I just wanted to kind of mention it because it kind of emphasizes the trauma of the Holocaust, which is massive on all Jews, whether um, whether you had Holocaust victims in your family or not. Thank you, first of all, for setting the scene so beautifully as we go into the interview. I think there's always a risk that we can make very early assumptions. Um, so it's, it's great to, to have that laid out. Also fascinated by your interview of the author of the book as well. So uh, do, do please share. If you're publishing anything on that, do share it. We'd love to be able to share that with the audience as well. Uh, Gideon, can I bring you in here? Very curious to hear what you're particularly focused on right now. We're a volunteer-led charity. We're mostly dedicated to two things. One is trying to ensure that there are consequences for anti-Semites. And partly that's about deterrence and partly about just making sure that they're stopped and that they don't succeed in spreading hatred. Um, and the other thing that we work on an awful lot is education. And part of that is sort of mass public communications campaigns to try to help people to understand what anti-Semitism is and what they can do about it. And one of the things that we're very aware of is that we actually live in a country that is very decent. Um, Britain is a tolerant place by and large. Um, there are problems in society, but it's actually one of the best places in the world in which to live as a Jew. But that said, we do have a very serious problem with anti-Semitism. And although, as Nicole said, Jews constitute about half a percent of the British population, we suffer about 500% more hate crime per capita than any other faith group. So there's this huge uh, hatred um, that is directed at the Jewish community, sometimes, as Nicole said, against people who are very recognizably Jewish, uh, members of the Haredi Orthodox community, uh, you know, people who are recognizably Jewish by their garb. Um, sometimes it's just against people who no one necessarily would know um, a, a Jewish from any of their practices, but they are Jewish and they suffer this hatred. So one of the things we did, for example, earlier this year was to run a nationwide billboard campaign talking about the anti-Semitism that people face and talking about the fact that Jews don't look all one way and don't act all one way. There's a diversity within our community. And really, we need help from the public in standing up to um this hatred because there's 0.5% of the population, we definitely can't do it alone. And then there's the other part of our work, which is actually taking on uh, some of these anti-Semites and also sometimes the authorities when they fail to act. So we have got a history of taking action against police forces and even the Crown Prosecution Service when they fail to prosecute anti-Semitic hate crime. Um, but also, actually, we, we, we've gone after an awful lot of um, the anti-Semites themselves, um, and that's included everybody from, for example, a, a far-right um, internet radio host who was uh, openly calling for a gun uh, so that he could go and shoot Jews, 
um, through to Islamist extremists who hate Jews for theological reasons, all of the way through to some of the far left groups and in, in, included in that we were actually the complainant in the Equality and Human Rights Commission's investigation into anti-Semitism in the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn. And I think one of the things um, that is most remarkable to me, you know, as we reach about nine years of our organisation existing, is the sheer breadth of where we find anti-Semitism and the different types and the fact that this hatred, this old hatred, is still so pervasive and there is still so much to do. And in the conversation about diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, we do talk about faith, but we haven't really focused very much in the conversation. I don't see many people focusing on um, anti-Semitism or indeed the Jewish faith within that discussion. Nicole, can I bring you in here? I'd love to get your thoughts about... Um, no, do, do is that your experience? Do you do you see that there is an exclusion of Jewish people in the DEI conversation and from from your work and your conversations? Uh, definitely more from my conversations, I guess, um, because I'm a freelancer, I don't have a boss. But um, even one of the organisations that kind of oversees journalists, the um, Society of Editors, they have a whole list of. Um, we're so inclusive, women, LGBTQ plus, and people of colour. So I wrote to them and said. You don't have any space for racism against people who are deemed white. Uh, and that doesn't just that's not just the Jewish community. That's also the kind of the Gypsy Roma, Sinti community, uh, travellers, all of that. And I was just ignored. <laughs> um, so I think there is a feeling very much within the workplace that that Jews don't count to, uh, you know, David Baddiel has obviously written a very good book on this and I would recommend it to all your listeners because it's it's very much based in this world where people who are anti-racists somehow don't see Jews as worthy of their um, their help. And, uh, you know, just one example, I spoke to a friend who's a who's a journalist at a magazine that does have a kind of you know helping everybody everyone's kind and lovely and they have you know they have things for um every single sort of holiday ramadan south asian heritage diwali world mental health day and she wrote and said could you do something about judaism you know here are the high holy days holocaust memorial day this is a really good one and and she, she said she got some thumbs up but again was completely ignored this isn't just kind of because we're a small community, uh, but there's something more pervasive. There's an idea that because we are white, um, we uh, we don't need the help. But there, there's another argument that Jews are what's known as passing white, which is you even if you are a white-skinned Jew, and, and most many of us are white people, but dark-skinned white people, so we look foreign, as it were. And um, that even if you are, then as soon as people realise you're Jewish, then they see you in a different way. But sometimes it's worse than that, in that they see, they believe the trope that Jews are rich and powerful and therefore don't need help. Uh, and so then, so then the, the very thing that's meant to help minorities is a thing that's actually perpetuating a trope that simply isn't true. You know, lots of Jews aren't rich. Most Jews are, are not. There are a few very famous rich Jews, but certainly the Haredi community, there's many of them living below the poverty line. Um, you know, as are many others. So I sent an article and there was one quote from it, and this was from a DNI committee at Stanford University, it's a Forbes magazine. And uh, and they and somebody complained because um Jews weren't included in, in their work, and they said, Jews, unlike other minority groups, 
possess privilege and power. Jews and victims of Jew hate do not want or necessitate the attention of the DEI committee. So uh, that is that is one of the problems that we face. So, well, Gideon, let me let me bring you in here because I'd love to see whether you sort of building on those remarks you know when we think about uh, and in the introduction I was mentioning about your focus in different areas of society and the workplace was absolutely one of those your your response to Nicole's remarks there and also um, other examples of where anti-semitism reveals itself in the workplace Uh, what we see an awful lot of um, is exactly what Nicole's describing so we see the far right basically saying that Jews aren't white enough um, Jews are foreign, they're racially impure, that kind of um, far-right argument is, is, is a very old one. And then what we see on the far left um, is people saying that Jews are too white. Um, Jews have uh, sort of white privilege and um, they don't need help and they can't really suffer racism. And so what you have is, for example, this, this bizarre scandal that's erupted with Diane Abbott um, a couple of months ago, where she wrote a, a letter to the Observer, um, basically saying that Jews don't suffer racism at all. Um, they suffer prejudice akin to uh, the kind of prejudice that maybe ginger-haired people uh, might suffer. And of course, you know, everybody turned around and said, "Well, hang on, you know, it was in living memory that Jews were being bundled into cattle cars and and mass murdered." Um, so we we see this sort of weird argument where for some people we're not white enough, for some people we're too white. And cutting through all of it, the reality is we suffer a huge amount of hatred. Um, there is a real wave of anti-Semitism um, that is out there. A lot of it is driven by conspiracy theory. And we even see sometimes on social media people from the far right and people from the far left agreeing that they hate Jews. Um, but disagreeing on what the correct reason is to do so. And we also see that an awful lot in the diversity and inclusion space. So um, we've actually taken legal action against employers, where as part of the workplace diversity and inclusion training that was being given, um, they've actually told their employees um, that Jews, for example, were responsible for um, the the slave trade. they've actually perpetuated anti-Semitic lies and conspiracy theories as part of this training. And I think part of the reason for that is that anti-Semitism is, 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 is in on, honestly, it's, it's such an insidious form of hatred because quite often racism punches down. Um, it says that so-and-so is dirty or violent or terrorist or stupid or whatever it is. Um, but with Jews, the, the hatred that we often get, yes, we get that as well. Um, But we also get um, conspiracy theories that say Jews are all powerful, um, they are cunning, they are malevolent, they are a sort of master, masterful group within society operating behind closed doors and doing us all a lot of harm. Um, And some people listen to that and they don't think it's racist at all. Um, And worse than that, it also makes them feel that Jews are kind of undeserving of help, whereas at the moment, you know, as we started off by saying, Jews are this tiny population which is facing a massive amount of hatred compared to most other faith groups. Well, Gideon, can I stay with you there? Because one of the things I get asked a lot from the audience is, you know, what what should we be reading? Where should we go to become better educated? I'd love to get your thoughts on on what advice you'd give the audience on that. 
Um, well, one of the things I suppose I would say um, is that we we put out an awful lot of material and educational resources. Um, so we actually train an awful lot of companies um, and also police forces and regulators um, as part of their diversity and inclusion training on, on how they can actually tackle this within their workforce and make sure that their workforce is aware of what to do when they see things. But also uh, on, I think, every single social media platform, we're at anti-Semitism. Um, and we've also got our website, antisemitism.org. Um, and there's an awful lot of material there. Most days there is something going on, unfortunately, whether it's Kanye West um, telling everybody um, that um, you know, Jews are basically the problem in society um, through to what was going on in the Labour Party and that sort of uh, far left anti-Semitism through to the far right. So it's actually quite interesting, I think, to follow along and see what's being um what what's going on because it, it's quite an eye-opener to see the, the the different types of anti-semitism and the degree of hatred that we see including coming from quite recognizable household names and, and nicole can i bring you in here because i can think about um again sort of in the world of financial services and we're sort of honing down even further and gideon thank you for your thoughts about where to go what to read and, and certainly sort of will direct people towards your your organization nicole when you think about best practice and positive change um love to hear your thoughts about where people should be focused to become better educated and also to address some of these concerns I kind of put a, a kind of call out on social media for Jewish people to kind of get in contact with me, people that I knew, uh, to tell me about their, their their good and bad experiences. And there was one person who gave me uh, a, a, an example of both, which I thought was really telling. Um, and he worked, he's a communications consultant working in the sector. I would say that anti-Semitism and, and uh, kind of Jews in the workplace is, is in two forms, which is the religious side of things and then the kind of anti-Semitism side. So um, we have most Jews, including even secular Jews like me, will have two days that we take off or maybe three for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are the Jewish high holy days. And he was told in one place that he worked that if he took off Rosh Hashanah, then it would, would be look, look bad on his career. Um, you know, latterly, he's now in a different place. And he was telling me about some of the amazing experiences, uh, which is just almost when he started his employer sought his views on how to demonstrate support to Jews to start with. Uh, and then talking about an example in, in 2021, um, some pro-Palestinian um, extremists drove around London for two, three hours uh, saying they wanted to kill Jews and rape Jewish women. And he asked this person how best um, he should demonstrate the company support to Jewish people who might be upset by this. Um, and in the company as a whole, and this is for people of all religions, if, if it's a religious high holy day, then people in the company will be told, they are educated about it so that they can support each other. They are told this person, they are told your Jewish colleagues might be off today because today is this day. They promote Holocaust Memorial Day. They have, uh, it's part of the team and they have global educators talking about the Holocaust because of course, uh, you know, one of the modern day forms of Holocaust uh, of, of anti-Semitism is Holocaust denial. Um, and, uh, and, and they do this for people of all religions. So of course, no one feels special or anything like that, like that. And I would say just on the other side, going back to the example I gave earlier of my friend in a magazine, um, because there's this idea that we are powerful and, and white, therefore don't need it. 
if we uh, say something you know, or ignore, then we just then we tend to keep quiet because we're like, oh, we don't want to fall into that trope of moany, whiny Jew. It's lovely that he's joined this company and he's had all these wonderful things happen and and he really appreciates it. His mother had died recently and um, and his company even planted a tree in Israel in her name for him, which was kind of above and beyond and, and gorgeous behaviour. It, it is. And I think when we think a lot of talking to leaders and enlightened leaders about how to attract and retain talents, but to celebrate their talents and to hold, you know, uh, others uh, and bring others into the experience of your talent. That's all about inclusion. It's all about purpose. And it's also about engaging with your talent as well. It's wonderful to hear stories like that as well. So Gideon, I have a strong sense you want to come in here. Please do. I mean, one, one of the things I think that really is affecting the Jewish community is this feeling that there are no consequences for anti-Semitism, that it's, it's you know, in, in, a, in a world where we're hyper aware of racism and hatred, it's a form of racism and hatred, which is just not being acted against. And one of the examples Nicole gave was this convoy where they were driving around London for hours on end, um, shouting about killing and raping Jews. And the police took a long time to respond. We'd actually warned them that this convoy was coming into London. And the Crown in the end um, charged four people and then dropped all of the charges and didn't pursue it any further. And there's this feeling amongst the Jewish community, if you can drive a convoy in broad daylight on film through London, shouting that you want to kill and rape Jews and nothing is done about it, what is going to be done about anti-Semitism? How are people going to be defended? And we do polling every year with um, YouGov and King's College looking at perceptions of Jews um, from sort of wider society. And we also poll the Jewish community and, to, and, and ask them um, how they feel about things. And those figures are really striking because we get large swathes of the Jewish community saying that they're not sure whether they have a future in this country. We have about one in five um, only about one in five British Jews um, think that the authorities are doing enough about anti-Semitism. Um, and often where that comes out is in this sort of uh, disguising of anti-Semitism as some kind of critique of Israel, when it's really not. You know, these people driving through London shouting about raping and killing Jews, they were all flying Palestinian flags. And a lot of people, I think, look at that and they say, oh, this is this is about a conflict thousands of miles away. This is not racism. This is some kind of political discourse. Free country you can say what you like. But in reality, that's not what it is. If you're talking about raping and killing Jews, you're 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 an anti-Semite, you're a racist and you're inciting racial hatred and you ought to go to prison. Um, and that's the kind of thing which we see an awful lot of. And we also see it in the workplace. We see it a hell of a lot in schools and on campus. Um, and that's a place where it's really becoming problematic. If you want to say something horrendous about Jews and you swap in Zionists or Israelis instead, um, there are a lot of people who get away with it. And of course, nowhere was that more prevalent than in the Labour Party um, when Jeremy Corbyn was in charge. And you really get this sort of sense of, for example, Ken Livingstone, former mayor of London, going on national radio and saying that, you know, Hitler was a Zionist. And that's the kind of narrative that has been allowed to develop, partly because the authorities have just been so neglectful uh, in dealing with this. And I think a lot of employers and workplaces, just they, they just don't know what to do when they're faced with it. And they kind of shut down instead of seeking help and going out and addressing it. 
Well, I'm going to come on to the conversation about uh, what organisations could do, and particularly thinking about the power of networks. But before I do that, I mean, Nicole, I'd love to, to hear, hear your thoughts on this as well, partly because, you, of course, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, you've written about the Labour Party, but also this topic about the campus has come in. I'd love to get your thoughts. Anti-Semitism changes, you know, they call it a kind of a virus and there's, it always come, shows up in new forms for, for, for thousands of years. Well, for around 2000 years, Jews were um, penalised and attacked because of their religion, because they didn't accept Christ as, as, their, as their God. Um, it, you know, in Muslim countries, they were treated as other, but it, particularly in the West, uh, they were killed partly on, under the auspices of, of the church. Um, and then, then came the kind of Nazi era where Jews were killed because they were a different race. They were a whole, there was a whole science behind it. And, and now it, it's moved on again, where now they hate us for our country. Um, people are, particularly on, on the left, are obsessed with Israel, Palestine. Most people don't know where, uh, much about it. They couldn't point it to it on a map, but they, uh, they didn't realize, as, as Gideon said, that if you, you know, say all this nasty stuff about Zionists, uh, what you're really saying is about Jews. For example, you know, that there's lots of stuff about Jews, uh, Zionists love to kill children. This is a kind of a, a thousand year old trope that started in this country um, about Jews actually wanting to kill Christian children and use their blood for, for matzah meal. Uh, and, and, you know, and this is a trope that's continued, but you can see it in a different way. And, and I think one of the problems that actually one of the people that wrote to me um, when I asked for questions is that a worry is that quite a lot of people in this, that, you know, on the left, good people, anti-racist, but they've, they've swallowed all this stuff about Israel. Um, and therefore, you know, if you follow that through, then you believe Zionism is racism. So therefore you believe any person who believes in Zionism is a racist and therefore they're not worth defending. Um, and, and just to be clear for your readers, Zionism is, is, a, is a movement for a, a homeland for the Jewish people in our ancestral homeland. And, 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 and Zionism came about because of anti-Semitism. And it's not the other way around. You know, it started in the kind of 1890s uh, when my family were forced to flee uh, Russia and places like that because of anti-Semitism. And obviously it became a much bigger thing um, after the Holocaust, which showed very much so that, that Jews couldn't trust Christians to look after them. So I would just say that that is, as a mother of teenagers, it's something that I know that my boys are going to have to face. They've already faced some anti-Semitism at school and they're going to have to face questions about Israel and, and things like that. From people that, as I say, know almost nothing about the conflict and, and how complicated it is. There's this idea that you're either pro-Israel or pro-Palestinian, whereas I would say that most Jews, particularly most British Jews, um, we most of us believe in the two-state solution, which means you are both pro-Israeli and pro-Palestinian. We want peace in the region. Well, I wonder if I could pick up on the, 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 the area where I was kind of alluding we would go, which is the, the power of networks. And we know that this is really important, both in terms of educating organisations, listening to what employee resource groups need as a community and also the role that they can play 
um, in educating others as well. And I, I wonder if we could move to that discussion uh, right now and think about, um, I mean, Gideon, are you aware of any really good networks within financial services? And, and obviously we're, we're talking very much about the UK, but have you got any thoughts internationally as well? That would be welcome because we have listeners all over the world. Um, and, and, and when you look at those networks, very curious to hear your thoughts about where they are driving positive change. So we actually deal with quite a lot of employee groups, and um, we also deal with quite a lot of groupings across industries. So um, we will get contacted by groups of, for example, um, Jews in, um, I don't know, in accountancy, um, for example, or Jews in social care or Jews in nursing and all sorts of uh, sort of faith based groupings. But we also get contacted by people who are beyond the Jewish community. Um, and have formed um, groups of staff of employees um, and also just professionals across different um, different industries who just want to fight hatred, who want to make sure that their industry is not a place where where racism can thrive. And what they often do is they ask us for help. They ask us for training, um, which we we very gladly give. And then what happens is we won't hear from them for a while. But then at some point they will come back to us and they have been equipped to actually spot some of the more subtle types of anti-Semitism that can go on. They'll come back to us. They will highlight things that we would never have found out about. They will create the dialogue. And generally speaking, when we speak with an employer, we're not trying to bring the employer down or something like that. We just want to help them to deal with a situation which they probably weren't thinking of dealing with, which has come as a surprise to them. They're not quite sure what to do about it. Um, and they need some help. And, and by th those networks across uh, professional groupings and also across large employers, those networks are really key to sort of opening the door, getting that dialogue going. But most importantly, um, they spot things that external people like us wouldn't necessarily spot. And they also show Jewish colleagues this is not a Jewish problem for Jews to solve. This is a societal problem for society to solve. And by standing up, I think there's nothing more comforting to the Jewish community, particularly when it's feeling embattled, than non-Jewish people. We find those groupings saying, hang on, that was anti-Semitic. We're not going to let that go. We're going to step in here and we're going to make sure that there is a consequence for this. We're going to make sure that practices change. And that is probably about the most comforting thing that the Jewish community can see happening. Allyship is incredibly powerful. I mean, Nicole, as you are out talking to allies and listening to allies and thinking about you know, how we can step up for each other, I'd love to get your thoughts about, you know, uh, what should the audience do to become better allies? Yeah, I mean... Firstly, thank you, because as Gideon says, it's incredibly comforting. Um, and when when there are times of anti-Semitism, then um, you you realize you really realize your minority status because um, it's it's frightening how many of anti-Semites will pop up everywhere, particularly on social media. Um, I think the first thing I would say is take time to understand anti-Semitism. It's complex. And, and as I mentioned before, it's kind of embedded into Western society. So things that you think are true about Jews aren't, they're just tropes. Even if they're good things like Jews are good with money, there's no reason 
we're no better or worse with money than anyone else. Um, you know, Martin Lewis is quite funny on this because he's Jewish and he's like, you know, people are like, oh, you're good at money because you're Jewish. He's like, no, I'm just good at money, good with money. Um, so understanding the tropes, there are some good books out there. Um, Dave Rich, um, who runs, who's behind the CST, which um, kind of helps create security for the Jewish community. He's written a really good one um, recently, which just has basic understanding of the tropes. But even things like um, don't say to a Jewish person, oh, you don't look Jewish. And what when you mean to say you don't have a big nose, which I've had loads of times. <laughs> um, so the pl on the plus on the plus, you know, I think the example I gave earlier, we just kind of also learn about, you know, particular needs that Jews pe might, people might have uh, around holidays. And if you're a more religious Jew, then when it's Shabbat, you might need to leave work early on a Friday in the winter because Shabbat, you have to start Shabbat. So you have to do all your driving and everything um, before it gets dark. Um, I think sometimes it's nice to just hear an are you okay just to have a, a bit of support and and lastly I would say I don't think the Jewish person in your life wants to talk to you about Israel unless you have a very well informed position um, you know don't assume just because they're Jewish they want to talk to you about Israel uh, and particularly they don't want to get in a row with you or anything like that because it can be um, it can just be horrible basically to be at the center of that and to have everyone looking at you and you and it might be the Jewish person doesn't have a firm opinion about Israel. You know, at the moment, British Jews um, and Israeli Jews are all demonstrating the government. They have been for some time. Um, so, you know, don't just stay away from that subject unless that person, unless the Jewish person has invited you to talk about it. Well, I think this is a great moment to welcome in Cynthia Akinsanya for some research to support today's discussion. In the 2020 anti-Semitic incidents report carried out by the Community Security Trust, one in four Jewish people considered leaving the UK. In the US, according to the Anti-Defamation League, 2021 was the highest year on record for a documented total of 2,717 reported incidents of harassment, vandalism and violence directed against Jews. Thank you, Cynthia, as always, for the research. And let's just take a few moments to remind everybody how you can find Diversity Podcast. Uh, links to the research can be found on our website, diversitypodcast.com. Don't forget that's diversity with a C, diversitypodcast.com. That's where you can find all our episodes and sign up for early notifications of future recordings. Do also sign up for our newsletter, DE&I, that caught our eye. That's where we share news stories and updates so you can stay right on top of what's current. Follow us on social media. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I don't know if it's still called Twitter, X, I think it is now, <laughs> LinkedIn, and Diversity Podcast is available on Bright Talk and all good podcast channels. And we're very proud of our five-star rating. Please do give us a rating because it all helps to widen the reach of this show. Now let's go to the final section. And this is a question I ask all our guests, and I'm really curious to hear from you for your compelling reason why DE&I must remain high on the corporate agenda. So Gideon, can I come to you first of all? Well, I think in the case of anti-Semitism, I think a lot of people feel that they know about lots of different types of prejudice now against disabled people, about the LGBTQ community, against the black community, against lots of different communities. But one of the types of racism and prejudice that I think is still really badly understood is anti-Semitism. And it's also a type of hatred which is massively on the rise, partly due to conspiracy theories, partly just due to the polarization of society. 
And companies have got a massive part to play in this. Um, they can be a real force for good. Um, it's firstly, of course, about making sure their employees and their staff can work in a safe and welcoming environment. But it's also about just making sure that they play a role in society in trying to improve society. And over the decades, with different uh, movements against different types of hatred, we've seen this massive role that companies can play when they really get behind it. So it's a hugely important thing for companies to be focusing resources on. It's not a huge amount of resource that is required, but that little bit of effort can really go a long way, particularly if you consider that your staff, when they go home, they've got a whole multitude of things that they need to deal with. And if you can carve out even half an hour in their day, one day a year, um, just to get a little bit of information into um, their life about what's going on and how they can stand up, you help make things a little bit better. Um, and of course, many companies have recognized that and devote so much more time than that. But that, that's really a bare minimum that hopefully companies um, should be contributing. And I, I think really the, the main thing that we see is that society is becoming much more polarized. Um, and things are becoming much more difficult. Um, it's becoming much more difficult to have a conversation. And this is an environment in which, um, you know, within the diversity and inclusion world, um, you can kind of foster a really just calm, safe, safe conversation about a topic that is really important to a lot of people. Nicole, can I come to you to close out the show with your compelling reasons why diversity, equity, inclusion must remain high on the corporate agenda? I suppose I come from a world, famously, a brutal well, a workplace. Um, I've worked in newsrooms where the female toilets are mainly used by women crying at, at the bullying. Um, so it, it's been really nice for me to see over the years how this kind of, uh, you know, inclusion um, for women, for women, for minorities, for, for all, you know, all different types of minorities um, are making the workplace a, a better place because there is that work shouldn't be a struggle. People shouldn't be crying at work. Kindness is really important, understanding each other, and particularly in terms of anti-Semitism, because it is rising around the world. And because your Jewish friends are going to be scared, then I think it, it has a, a really important part to play. And not only kind of, you know, uh, celebrating the festivals and things like that, but in educating to make sure that the next generation are more educated about anti-Semitism and, and can be good allies. Cole Lampert, thank you for being on the show today and for all your insights. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And Gideon Falter, thank you also for taking the time to, to be with us and to discuss with Nicole this really important topic. No, thank you so much for having us both. So to all our listeners, thank you as always for listening. Share this episode with everybody in your organisation. Until next time, I've been Julia Streets. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by Roshan Roberts on behalf of Julia Streets Productions. You can find out more about the guests from this week's show on our website. That's www.diversitypodcast.com. That's diversity with a C and not an S. Whilst you were there, you can also sign up to our newsletter for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. 
If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. And finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.